You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. All righty. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Well, it's so nice to see all your lovely faces. I am uh, super excited to be able to share this morning with you. And uh, it's summer vacation. Lots of people are here and there and everywhere. And uh, I'm glad that you are here this morning in Cold Lake and able to uh, worship with us this morning. I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer and go from there. Father, I just thank you this morning. God, for your, your glory, God, for who you are. God, I thank you, Lord, for rest. God, I thank you for the gift of rest that you've given to us, Lord, that we so often leave idly by, sitting there, not used. But God, I pray, the Lord, this morning that something would shift in our hearts. God, that we would begin to see the value in rest and in Sabbathing. Lord, that you would continue to renew us and to restore us, God, so that we have so much more to give, God, than we've currently been giving. And God, that we wouldn't feel wiped and tired and kicked around. But God, that you'd fill us with your, with your love and your fire. God, that you'd give us the grace to be the men and women that you've called us to be and to accomplish that which you've called us to accomplish. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to be talking about rest. It says, Dear God, may we find rest in you. And uh, rest is something that is very biblical, and it's something that many of us probably wouldn't think of as overly spiritual. There's a rhythm to the spiritual life that is lived by God's design. And it's a rhythm that is different than the rhythm of the world. It's a rhythm that we see reflected in nature. We see it in God's creation. We see that there's times of, of action and times of work and there's times of rest. We see it in our day cycle. That God created day and God created night. And during the day we're up and we're, we're fruitful and we're working and we're busy and we're doing things. And at night, things slow down. And we have an intentional time to rest. And throughout all of creation and all of time, we haven't had what we have today, which is electricity, where we can make this room look as bright a day at 3 in the morning, any time of the year. And uh, sometimes I think because we're so people that are so screen-driven now, that even when we go to lie down to bed, when we know we should be resting, we're scrolling and we're doing something else. We're watching TV until the late hours of the night, perhaps, if that's, if that's something that you do. And we're people that are obsessed with screens and devices. And it's interrupting our rhythm. It's interrupting our rest. And I know I, a few, probably three years ago now, I was having trouble sleeping. And uh, I was listening to a few podcasts when I was driving about sleep. And I was listening to the sleep expert. And he was talking about how mobile devices, that they've done studies now, where if they're within something like five feet of you while you're sleeping, 
is interrupting your sleep cycle. And so he said the number one thing that if you have trouble sleeping to do is to take your phone and plug it in at night somewhere else. Go buy a cheapo alarm clock like you used to have to do or maybe with those ones that you wound up. You know, the, the type that Captain Hook couldn't stand. You know, and put it next to your bedside table. And uh, they did, when they do studies of, they'll say, have somebody in a lab and they'll have their phone, you know, within a foot of them and somebody who doesn't have their, the same person the next night without their phone and their REM cycles are different, their sleep cycles are different. That, air, that time of your sleep, that's rejuvenation, that's rejuvenating you is lengthened when your mobile device and that small amount of light radiation isn't affecting your brain. And so that's for free. You don't even have to listen to the podcast to get that one. But we see that God has created day and night, that there are rhythms in nature and creation, that we require six to eight hours of sleep every 24-hour periods. And it's a built-in biological mechanism. And I think sometimes when you see something in nature that's so concrete, something that's there, there's something for us to learn as a, in regards to spiritual application. That just as we need to rest physically, being part of God's rhythm means that we also have to rest um, spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And God practices rest himself. We know uh, in, in Genesis, we read that God labored and created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Do any of you guys know how terrible life is without sleep? Any new parents in the room? Maybe you've been blessed with a great sleeper. You know, or people that have crazy work schedules where maybe you get home and you're asleep three hours and someone's ringing you saying, time to go to work again. I've been there. Life is quite miserable when you don't have rest, when you don't have sleep. And in fact, to be overly tired and fatigued, you're actually dangerous, which is why you can only work a 16-hour workday legally and almost every profession, and I think except for maybe emergency responders, I think there's an exception for them that sometimes they can work a 24-hour cycle. But being tired and fatigued physically is bad for our health. Being tired and fatigued emotionally and spiritually is bad for our whole health, every area. It affects our family, it affects our friends, it affects the value of our life, it affects how we are able to see God and interact with people, how we are able to delight in God like we were doing this morning as we are singing those amazing worship songs. And, you know, there's a threshold um, in which we have to realize that we have some limitations. And um, I never used to consider a life walked without rest or a Christian walk without a real Sabbath to be an impairment or an impaired spiritual walk. But over the last few years, I've really began to realize the necessity of rest. And uh, I know a few years ago when I was back on staff, when I was on staff between 2009 and 2012, I was working in youth ministry, and somebody from the church came and approached me and I about getting together for supper. And we pulled out our calendars, and we were looking, and we didn't have a single night available for three weeks. We were kind of looking at it thinking, this is a little crazy. We've, we've packed too much into our life to the point that somebody we really care about, we can't even get together with them because we're so busy. We began to realize that um, our life was a little bit out of whack and perhaps we've become enslaved 
to busyness. The rhythm of our society is busyness. And I, I actually believe that this is a demonic influence in our world that's trying to crowd our minds and stir our lives up so that we're unable to rest and be still and be silent. And we miss what God is saying to us and we miss what God is doing in our midst. And it's something that, especially over the summer months here, we have a little while before school starts, before the fall season kicks up, where we can begin to practice taking in some rests, taking in some, some Sabbath times. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is that in order to be effective for the kingdom of God, in order to be able to hear God's voice clearly, we have to be able to rest. We have to be able to be still. I have a little quiz that I took from a, a book. It's Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Handbook. And it highlights symptoms of a failure to rest in Jesus. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever encountered this, where maybe you go through seasons and you're, you're growing with God, and you go through a season where it's kind of like you're just kind of maybe coasting for a while spiritually. You're still going to church. You're going through the actions. But you're not really in a high, doesn't feel like you're in a high growth season. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that you're getting irritable a lot more easily. And your, your, your mind just seems crowded and busy all the time. And, and maybe you're not as patient as you used to be. And you're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life like maybe you once did. The, there's a few questions here. There's nine questions that I want to ask you this morning from this test for you to consider as it relates to spiritual practice of rest and Sabbathing and how you can implement some of these biblical principles into your life that I'm going to follow up with. So here we go. Number one, you can't shake the pressure you feel from having too much to do in too little time. You routinely fire off quick opinions and judgments. You often are fearful of the future. You're openly concerned about what others think. You're defensive or easily offended. You're routinely preoccupied and distracted. Consistently, you ignore the stress and anxiety and tightness in your own body. Routinely, you feel enthusiastic or threatened by the success of others. And you routinely spend more time talking than listening. I think there are many of us that go through seasons where our prayer life is a lot more talking than it is listening. I know I get there sometimes. There are moments in my life where I feel like my needs list is getting quite long. And I'll use up 80 or 90% of my prayer time sprouting off a list of, of asks and wants and demands. And then I wonder why my prayer life isn't fulfilling. I don't know if you have anyone in your life that spends 90% of your interaction with them just demanding and asking and wanting things from you. Perhaps it's a child, a parent, a boss. They're not very fun to be around, are they, typically? You might have a very small threshold. But these are things that you can reflect on and say, are these things in my life right now? And maybe these are some things that are symptoms of a lack of learning how to rest in Jesus. I'm oh, sorry, I never clicked the button today. You guys didn't get to read the last half. But there they are. 
You see, this list, it shines a light deep into our souls, one in which it looks at our actions and our intentions as symptomatic failures of, of rest, of a lack of rest, and being renewed and rest restored by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I know it's something interesting. I was asking Rhea just even this morning about why you think it is that our society is so obsessed and values busyness. And um, busyness is something that we seem to esteem. You know, I know there was a year that I was off work. Um, the oil field kind of really slowed down, and, and Rio went back to work, and I stayed home with Sophia. I remember quite often, I never noticed that this, this phrase, but it came up a lot that year where people would say, are you busy? How's it going? Is it busy? Busy, busy, busy. And for the first time probably in my adult life, I could say, actually, no. It's not busy at all. It would catch people off guard because they were just expecting me to say, yes, I'm as busy as they are. And I really wasn't. Rhea, Sophia and I began to have this rhythm in our life where we had a bit of a routine and we had times where she would nap and then I would nap or she would nap and, and, and life got really good. It slowed right down. I was intentional to do certain things. I wasn't just working off my own schedule, but we had to coordinate our schedules. And um, I think it would be different being home with two. But life got really good once we got into a rhythm of things. And um, there's so many of us that fail to rest until we take a vacation or until we get sick or until we lose our jobs or until we're forced to take a rest. Mom, any moms out there? They're failing to rest on a regular basis. I think you guys are especially prone to that. But sickness and fatigue can be a sign that you need rest. And if you are tired this morning, it's probably because you need rest. If you're not feeling spiritually fulfilled, that you can delight in Jesus. When we were singing these worship songs this morning, if you just felt like there was a blockage, like you had nothing left in you to even sing these songs with joy and enthusiasm, perhaps you're resting not in Jesus. See, the Bible calls the practice of rest a Sabbath. And biblically, in the Old Testament, it's a 24-hour period in which rest happens on the seventh day of the week, a period where we do not work, and we basically do no work at all, paid or unpaid. And uh, a Sabbath is more than simply a day off, but it's a day filled with the presence of God. And I know Eugene Peterson, he calls a day off Sabbath as a bastard Sabbath because he says that for most of us, the reality is a day off work is a busier day than a day at work. That that's when we squeeze in all those extra things in our life that we need to do. It's when we mow the lawn. It's when we do our grocery shopping. It's when we're taking our kids to this practice and that practice and this music festival and that music festival. And it's when life gets even busier for many of us. And so a Sabbath is more than a day off of work. It's not a day that we just scurry around and fill in everything, all this extra time with more busyness. But a true Sabbath day is filled with the presence of God where we rest in God and are renewed spiritually. A Sabbath, I want to talk about four qualities this morning um, in which Pete Cazero talks about um, in one of his books about Sabbath. And he has four things. One is to stop. One is to rest. One is to delight in God. And one is to contemplate on God, his glory, and his goodness. 
in your life and in the world around you. And I know this week, this last week was actually a lot of fun. I've been on vacation for two weeks. Today is my second day back, but my first day back with people. And um, two weeks ago, on the 25th, we moved into a, into a new house, and which has been a lot of fun. And uh, since then, we've been out at a cabin, relaxing, and we spent our first night at home just last night. And um, it's been a really good time of, of resting, of attempting to sleep in. Everett doesn't really get the gist of what sleeping in is yet, but one day he will. And, um, you know, it's been a great time of being able to get out on my boat, go out just by myself, casting, doing some fishing, or what looks like fishing, but not catching anything. No, I did actually catch three fish this the first week I was on vacation, which was a lot of fun. But as I was out on my boat, I was out for about 10 minutes fishing, and I thought, oh, I should go turn my phone on, go put some music on. It would have been probably worship music or Christian music of some type. And I reached, I grabbed my phone, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just said to me, don't turn that thing on. Leave it off. I went, okay, and I went and just put it back in my little bag there. And I just sat there in silence. And all of a sudden, in those next few minutes, I could hear the birds chirping. I noticed an eagle flying over the edge of the lake. I noticed a bunch of cranes. No, not cranes. What are they called? Pelicans. Those big white birds with the black wings would come floating by. And all of a sudden, I was there for the purpose of fishing. But I began to realize that in that moment, it was more like a little mini Sabbath. It was a time where I could just rest. I stopped life, and I'm out just reflecting on God's creation. I'm noticing things that I didn't notice 10 minutes prior, things that are really amazing. And I was just reflecting even on the book of Genesis, where, you know, God created the world, the whole universe in six days, and he said it was good. And we still see remnants of God's goodness every day all around us. The sunshine shining on your face. The squirrels chasing each other up and down the tree. And all of a sudden, I had this intense feeling that, you know what, God has got me. That I don't have to do anything. That I'm here. And I'm loved. I'm God's beloved. I get to just rest and delight in him. There's nothing else I can do in this moment to earn God's love more than he loves me right now. And every other time I went out on my boat for the rest of the trips when I was by myself, I left my phone either back at the cabin or I didn't take it out. Because I realized now that I've been filling up my mind space and my, and my head space with music and all these other things. And sometimes it's good. But the problem was, was I was lacking stillness. And I was lacking silence. And these are two spiritual practices that I think are necessary to be able to hear God's voice clearly. Not that God can't speak to you if there's a Christian music song on, but sometimes God speaks in that still, small voice. And you don't need any distractions. You just need to rest and be still and wait on him and see what he does. And um, learning to be still and be with God is an amazing thing. And I just want to talk a little bit now about the Sabbath. And how it's a major way that we learn to live out of, the sp- out of the spirit and not 
out of our own limited resources. And this morning, I'd like to discuss, um, I'd just like to read a little piece here by a guy named Craig J. Slane. He writes about the Sabbath from Exodus chapter 20 here. He says this. He says, Exodus 28 verses 8 through 11 makes a clear connection between the Sabbath day and the seventh day on which God created, God the Creator rested. Sabbath observance, therefore, involves the affirmation that God is creator and sustainer of everything. To remember the Sabbath meant that the Jew identified the seventh day of the week rhythm of life as belonging to the creator. This connection is particularly important in light of the Jewish doctrine that human beings are co-partners with God. They receive the world in an unfinished state so that they may share with God the purposes he seeks by continuing to fashion and subdue creation. If the creator stopped his creative activity on the seventh day, then those who share in his creative work must also do the same. Sabbath contravenes any pride that may accompany human mastery and manipulation of God's creation. In seizing from labor, one is reminded of one's true status as a dependent being, of the God who cares for and sustains all of his creatures and all of his creation. A world is a reality belonging ultimately to God and to God alone. The Sabbath is a day of rest and worship given as a gift, really, from the restless condition of slavery. Exodus 20 gives an account of Moses being given the Ten Commandments by God. And here he begins telling Moses, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Did you guys know that we too were brought out of slavery? The Bible says that we were once slaves to sin and the power of darkness. And when we gave our heart to Jesus, when we stepped in faith and believed in Christ, we now became sons and daughters of light. We became sons and daughters of Jesus, of sons of God. And something transpired now where we were no longer slaves to sin but we were free men and women spiritually. You see, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were now no longer slaves. But the problem was their identity for 400 years had been that of a slave. And a slave doesn't rest. A slave typically doesn't delight in his work. Slaves rarely stop. Although in the land of Israel, slaves did actually stop because on the Sabbath, even slaves and animals could not work. This is how seriously God took the Sabbath, took rest. You see, the people, the Israelites, these people were the people that God loved and cherished. And he wanted them to return back to the rhythm no longer as a slave, but that as free people, as his people, back to no longer being driven by a taskmaster. For even he rested on the seventh day. You know, today we are free men and women. We're not only politically free, but we're spiritually free. And we have freedom in Christ. And I referenced the scripture a few weeks ago, but Paul says in Galatians 1.5, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. None of us this morning are enslaved by Egypt. But I wonder what things in our life enslave us. 
What things in our life prevent us from doing the things that we ought to and that we even want to do? What are the things in our life right now that are preventing us from taking a rest and learning to rest in Jesus? What are the things in your life that are holding you down, holding you back from fulfilling your destiny? And sometimes we don't think of them as an enslavement. But if all, but that list, you guys remember that list I read? If the thing that dominates your mind and your heart when you go out places is what other people think about you, you have a taskmaster and it's not Jesus. If you're more worried about your worldly success and your dollars and your bank account, and the, if that's the thing that drives you every day, the thing that gets you out of bed, then perhaps you have a taskmaster. You know, it's so amazing how often we esteem and elevate busyness, like I was saying before. And um, I was reflecting on busyness when I was in my boat this last week. And I was just even reflecting on the, my own life and times that I've been busy and times that I've shared that I was busy and what I was doing while I was busy. And I began to realize that there have been times in my life where I've used busyness almost as a way to make me feel important. That even if I'm really not that busy and someone says, oh, are you busy? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm busy. Doing very important things. Because if you're not busy, well, you're a slacker. And busyness is like, well, I must be important if I'm really, really busy. You know, at the time, I didn't think of it that way. But when I reflect back on it now, I think that's what it was. You see, an amazing thing happens when you can rest before God, when you can get still and silent before God. And it's this, that it's just you and God. And I think that sometimes we don't like to do this because it's very vulnerable. When it's just us and God, he sees us, and we know he sees us, and we're completely aware of God's presence in our life. And there may be things that are lingering deep down in your heart that you've been avoiding. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's, it's bad habits. Maybe it's, it's hurt. Maybe it's bitterness or unforgiveness that you've been storing in your heart that you don't want to let go of. Because somehow if you were to forgive that person, it would somehow affirm that it was okay that that was done to you or that what that person did was okay and it's not. And I was just reflecting in God's presence and just thinking about my own life and realizing how vulnerable it is. But in those moments, that's where really God can do some amazing work and bring some things out that you've been stuffing. And it's just you and him. And that's where he can do some major renovation in your heart. We must be able to stop and incorporate Sabbath rest into our lives if we're going to fulfill what God's called us to do and become the men and women he's called us to be. And that means giving God one day a week where we stop, we rest and delight in him, we contemplate on his goodness and his glory. And I know this is difficult for many of us. We have busy lives. 
some of you have different work schedules where you couldn't even do a, a, you know, a six and one. Maybe you work eight days in a row. See, when it comes to Sabbath, it seems like there's always been this extreme towards legalism or just it becoming so frivolous and unimportant that we just don't do it at all. And if we're overly legalistic about it, you know, like things were in the Old Testament, like literally in the Old Testament, it was punishable by death to pick up sticks and kindling and to, to make yourself a fire on the Sabbath day. You couldn't work. You couldn't, do, you couldn't even pick up sticks on the Sabbath day. You couldn't cook on the Sabbath day. You had to prepare your food, prepare your manna the day before and set it aside for the Sabbath day. And for most of Jewish history, people didn't even leave their houses and their properties very often on the Sabbath day. And so we have this twofold kind of extremes of, of legalism, an approach that becomes very unhealthy, in which we almost begin to idolize the Sabbath. And it begins to rule over us. And so then there's the other extreme where it becomes so unimportant that we just ignore it, and we don't do it. And I think for many of us, we just lean to the, we don't really do a proper Sabbath. We really don't rest in Jesus very well. And in Mark 2, 23 to 28, Jesus talks about this. One day it says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick up some heads of grain. The Pharisees saw him and said, look, why are they doing this unlawful thing on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. He answered, have you... Um, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This was a pretty crazy thing that Jesus did right here. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not for the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And it was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. And so we, it's not about hitting the notches of this is what we need to do with doing these legalistic things. It's about learning to rest in him. It's about stopping and resting. Being still and silent before God. It's being able to delight in God and what he's done in our life. It's being able to delight and reflect on the goodness of God every day and even the little things. To be able to taste and see that the Lord is good every week on a regular basis. You know, we have all kinds of schedules, some more crazy schedules. And so I think a practice that could be very helpful for all of us is to have little mini Sabbaths every day. To be intentional about even taking five minutes maybe at the start of your lunch break. You know, and opening up your Bible and finding a, a scripture and just having it in which you meditate on it that day. You say, John, I'm going to meditate on the scripture today. And you just take a moment, you just be still before God and contemplate that little bit of scripture, maybe one line.
maybe one verse, and let it linger all day long. Let it linger all day long. And perhaps today, the scripture that could linger for you guys is that you weren't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for you. And just see what God shows you. See what God teaches you throughout the day when you do this. You know, taking these mini moments, maybe it's going out for a five-minute walk and just noticing the trees and hearing the rustling of the leaves, taking a look out at the lake if you live in the north, watch some kids playing in the, the little playground area. It's just, I just love watching Sophia play. And she's at a stage right now where she doesn't know that everybody's not her friend. And so she goes up to just any kid in the park and will say, come play with me. Or she'll be playing for a few minutes with a kid she met like five minutes ago, and she'll come up to us and say, you know, this is my friend. And it's like, how amazing is that? That she can just go and just interact with people, and they're all her friends. And at the end, you know, within 10 minutes, she might have five friends from the park. My goodness. Forgetting to rest altogether is extremely dangerous. And I think many of us are burnt out physically, emotionally, and spiritually in part because we fail to understand and implement Sabbath rest in our lives. And so doing this mini Sabbath every day, maybe earmarking every four hours, maybe you do a little mini Sabbath for five minutes, and it could completely restore our day and change the way we do things. Here in Exodus 14, um, it's sharing the story about the Israelites leaving Egypt. <clears throat> and the Israelites come and they hit the Red Sea and they can go no farther. And all of a sudden, the Pharaoh has a change of heart and he decides he's just lost his, his workforce. And he starts sending his men in pursuit of the Israelites who are now trapped between the, the Egyptians, their army, and the waters of the Red Sea. And how Moses responds in this situation is incredibly, incredibly eye-opening. Here in Exodus 14, I here in verse 9, it says, The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, horsemen, and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped near the sea of, of Pi, Haharoth, opposite Baal Zephron. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die? What have you done to bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord will, he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What do you do when you find yourself in a tight spot? When you feel like you have it coming from every direction? Do you get still before God and wait on him for an answer? Or do you jump into solution mode and just do the first thing that comes to your mind? 
I think learning to incorporate little mini Sabbath into every day will allow us to be centered in a way that when things come up, we'll routinely be in the habit of waiting on God and learning to hear God's voice and waiting on him to be responsive in moments. Sometimes one moment can be so critical that it can change the course of your life. Sometimes saying one thing or not saying something can totally change the course of a relationship or someone's life. And having God's wisdom and being led by the Spirit in those moments makes the difference. Can completely make the difference. One last, two last scriptures that I want to just briefly touch on before we close here is Habakkuk 2.20. Here we find another similar example in this prophetic book in the Old Testament in which the nation of Judah is about to be invaded by Babylon. And this is kind of a cool book. If you haven't read this book in a while, it's a short one, or you've never read it, I encourage you to. It's kind of neat how this prophetic book is one in which it's basically a dialogue between the prophet and God. And they're having this dialogue back and forth. It's similar to aspects of the book of Job. Whereas a lot of the other prophetic books is the person, is the, prof- the prophet being called to then tell people what God is saying. But this one's kind of different. It's this dialogue between, between the prophet and God. But here, in the midst of essentially calamity, their, their nation about to be destroyed by Babylon, God has sent Babylon to Judah, basically because Judah has fallen away from the things of God and they've started worshiping idols and they've, they've lost their focus. They're no longer focusing on God and they're, they're, they're set in their own ways, in their own demonic tendencies. And um, here in Habakkuk 2.20, it's so cool. It says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. Can you imagine that the intense pressure that both these biblical situations that these people would have been under? You got the Israelites by the Red Sea. You have these guys about to be invaded by Babylon. And the response is to be still. Let the earth be silent before him. Wait on God. It's not natural a supernatural occurrence that in the midst of trial and calamity to be able to wait and rest and trust in God. Another word that you can maybe use for rest is trust. Fully trust him in every circumstance, even when it seems like your life's being invaded and wait for an answer and be led by him. Psalms 37 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently before him. And lastly, Psalm 62.1. Truly my soul finds rest in God. Father, this morning, God, I thank you, Lord, that you are good. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are a place of rest. Lord, I pray, God, that you would show us this week, God, ways that we can incorporate Sabbath into our life. God, that we can... Be intentional, Lord, with our Sundays or whatever day we choose to be our Sabbath day, God, the day that we set it apart and we stop life, our daily rhythm, and we switch to a new rhythm, which is one of stopping and resting and delighting in you 
contemplating who you are, contemplating your scripture, God, a day fully filled with your presence with no other intention other than to spend time with you, to know you better and just be loved by you and love you in return. God, I just thank you for rest. God, I thank you for this gift that you've given to us, God, that we so rarely optimize on. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would set time apart, God, every single day, even if it's that five, ten minutes, Lord, to focus on you, to be intentional, especially when the stress starts to build. God, especially when things start getting tough and we need to make some decisions. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be centered in you. Lord, that we'd stop and we'd wait and we'd reflect on you and be led by your spirit, God, and not just by our flesh and our mind in the moment. God, I pray for wisdom. God, show us how to Sabbath. God, show us how to live life how you intend us to live by your rhythms, God, not by running the crazed, mad rhythm of the world, which is 24-7, but God, allow us to learn to rest in you, to be restored and fulfilled by your Holy Spirit, God, so that we have overflowing, living water coming out of us, God, to invest and to share with those around us. God, I thank you that you are rest to our soul. Teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.